This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, if it weren't for bad news, we wouldn't have any news at all. I keep trying. I, I, I like actually subscribe to something called nice news these days in an effort to find some like nice news every now and again that I could share with the audience. And every once in a while, they'll send me some, I don't know, some great news about an endangered species, uh, no, no longer being endangered. But really, for the most part, I can't come up with news stories that'll make you feel any better. We now have uh, proof, really, that the um, that the Biden administration is elbow deep in a bunch of behavior that is really um, well. I've been saying they've been doing this all along, but apparently people thought I was crazy after they raided the Mar-a-Lago estate, the FBI. I heard. Karine Jean-Pierre or whoever it was, I heard uh, Joe Biden say, well, we knew nothing about this. We had no involvement in this matter. The Department of Justice uh, operates on its own. But President Trump kept saying, no, I don't don't believe that. Nobody. I, I remember Eric Trump, and that's the video that we have up on my daily download. I remember Eric Trump being on some show and saying, look, there's no way the FBI raids a former president's residence without the White House knowing about it. You wouldn't dare do something like that. I mean, this is precedent setting. This has never happened before. So they, you know, his claim was there's no way that the president didn't know about it any more than my father wouldn't have known about things of that magnitude. It's one thing to go after Roger Stone. It's a completely different thing to go after a former president. And now revealing evidence shows that in fact, the Biden administration absolutely did know about the raid, which happened back on August 8th of 2022 in the ostensibly to retrieve some documents that they claimed were classified and had been taken from the White House. And you know, it was immediate that people like me and certainly the president himself, his family, his attorneys all said, this is a politically motivated. This is a, this is, I don't know, this is something that happens all the time. Presidents may end up taking some classified documents. It's usually handled very quietly. They're given opportunities to return the documents or to establish whether or not the documents in fact were, had been declassified. There's all kinds of machinations went on with, the, with Ronald Reagan. It went on with um, Bill Clinton. It went on with Barack Obama. It went on with George Bush. It went on down, down the line. This is what happens. And we now know the vice president at the time of the Obama administration, who's the president now, 
He took documents from the Senate, which is definitely not covered under the Presidential Records Act. He took records from the vice president's mansion, which is also not covered under the Presidential Records Act. So uh, give me a break. You know, when the Biden officials all came out saying, we're stunned by the FBI's action. We were not involved in this. And here's the latest, okay? President Joe Biden's administration was involved in the raid of former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence through a special access request, according to documents obtained from the National Archives by America First Legal. So in other words, this all happened because the president, the current president, initiated the action. America First Legal obtained access to these records and it directly contradicts what the archives told Congress. According to the records, the person responsible for administering all access requests for presidential records was John Laster, and he was involved in preparing the 15 boxes for FBI review. If the Office of Inspector General had operated independently, then Mr. Laster would not have been involved in the review of those documents. On top of that, there appears to be evidence that proves the Biden White House and the Department of Justice coordinated to obtain the Trump records and perhaps create a pretext for a law enforcement raid. Reed Rubenstein, senior counselor and director of oversight and investigations, added this scathing comment to the Breitbart article. The evidence further suggests that Biden officials in the executive office of the president and the DOJ unlawfully abused their power and then lied about it to the American people. This government, it seems, acknowledges no limits on its power to harass, intimidate, and silence its political opponents. So, you know, Donald Trump is not paranoid. You're not being paranoid when they really are doing things to you. And unbelievable to me, you know, the, the administration thinks that, you know, they can keep their candidate locked up in the basement and win an election. Oh, yeah, they actually did that and were successful. Uh, and the administration thinks that if it just doesn't say much on any given subject, that uh, it'll go away. Well, guess what? This investigation is not going away. The House won back by the Republicans is not going to let this disappear. So it certainly appears, look, you know, everybody's innocent until proven guilty, but it sure looks like the Biden officials are guilty here and that they were involved in the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Now I know that the DOJ will fall on its sword, Merrick Garland, all these people, you know, they, if they want to have any kind of political future, they have to fall on their swords. But it's too late. Now we've got records that establish their involvement in this. And I'm just, I'm so tired of politicians getting away with murder, I can't even tell you. You know, now we find out, on top of everything else, that the Biden administration has proposed a federal mandate to reduce the supply of water to 40 million Americans who live in Western states and are depending on the Colorado River Basin um, to, to manage their very severe drought and low runoff conditions, right? We find a draft report by the Department of the Interior's Bureau of Reclamation, the Supplemental Environmental Impact Statement, proposes to revise the current guidelines for the near-term operation of Glen Canyon and the Hoover Dam. Or the Hoover Dams, it's more than one dam. 
According to the Department of the Interior, the move forms part of the Biden administration's efforts to invest in climate change resilience for the Colorado River Basin and all the communities that rely on it. So here's their offering, their, their different alternatives that they're offering to ensure that there'll be water and hydropower production for the 40 million Americans, that's not a small number, who depend on the river system. Two man-made reservoirs along the Utah-Arizona border, which is Lake Powell and Lake Mead, which have dropped to dangerously low levels. They're almost at what's called dead pool levels, which threaten water supplies and the hydropower that's generated electricity for tens of millions of Americans. Failure to act isn't an option, says the Department of Interior Deputy Secretary Tommy Boudreau. Recognizing the severity of the worsening drought, the Biden-Harris administration is bringing every tool and every resource to bear through the president's investing in America agenda. You know, kiss my investing in America agenda, okay? That's all I'm going to say. Both proposals, uh, you know, are shams. And all that they do will disproportionately negatively affect junior water rights holders. So in other words, uh, an Arizona company that supplies water to Phoenix will be adversely affected because, of course, they're more concerned about the agriculture industry. Why are they concerned about the agriculture industry? Because of campaign donations. Uh, Need I say any more? So no matter what they do, you know, you're going to have water supply reductions across the lower basin states. It won't matter how long they've been states, nothing, nothing matters. And you're going to have progressively deeper supply reductions. And, and according to the Department of the Interior, the alternatives analyzed in the draft report address potential shortages in the event that such measures are required to protect the Glen Canyon Dam and the Hoover Dam operations and the integrity of those systems. So you'll see this draft report is going to be available for public comment for 45 days, and then a final decision will be made in the summer. These are the kinds of things that you have to get involved in. I know, it's like whack-a-mole. Every time you turn around, there's something else you have to address. There's some other congressman you have to call. There's some other department official you have to email. I get it, you know. It's my life too. But the idea that we allow all these things to continue to happen and we never move, we never act. We just sit around and go, oh my goodness, what am I gonna do? It's all so terribly overwhelming. No, it all has to be managed and it has to be managed by the citizens of a free republic. And little by slowly, they are eliminating your freedoms. And as they do that, they are creating situations which they then call crises. And whenever there's a crisis, let's not forget what Rahm Emanuel said, never let a crisis go to waste. Those are the times when they can change the very fabric, the very beliefs, the very traditions of this republic. And not for the better, okay? Not for the better. So I'm hoping that, you know, I can light a fire. Somebody out there cares about water and water reclamation, I'm sure. Do your research. You don't have to take my word for it. Do your research. What is the Department of the Interior proposing? What is the Biden administration proposing? And how will it affect people living in 
the, the basin states, that living in the West, who are in the lower states, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, because if you don't think that's going to affect you because you're here in Florida, think again. Whatever happens in this country at this point affects everybody in this country, with the lower 48 anyway. I don't know how affected it'll be for Alaska and Hawaii, but I, I don't live in Alaska and Hawaii. I live in Florida. And I know that our survival and our well-being depends on the uh, entire country having enough water and in, on the entire country obeying the laws of the Constitution. We stop doing those things, we start taking back, and, uh, and, and you'll see. If you take down, they will walk all over you. The other thing I wanted you to take a look at, and again, I'm not gonna read this on the air, it's very long and it's very detailed, but Alex Berenson, Whatever you think of Alex Berenson, he's a former New York Times science writer who just got into all kinds of hot water because he was a, a vaccine skeptic, if that's the right term. I'm a vaccine skeptic. I think lots of people are vaccine skeptics, but they interfered with his um, ability to earn a living, the Biden administration and Twitter and all these you know uh, social media platforms that basically slammed him and prevented him from getting the word out, word that people wanted to hear. So he filed a case in the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York. Okay, you know, not friendly territory for Alex Berenson, but this case, to me, appears ironclad. The plaintiff is Alex Berenson, and the defendants are Joseph R. Biden Jr., Andrew Slavitt, the senior advisor to the COVID-19 response coordinator, Robert Flaherty, the Director of Digital Strategy at the White House, uh, Vivek Murthy, the Surgeon General of the United States, Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA Commissioner and member of the Board of the Directors of Pfizer, uh, Albert Borla, the Chief Executive Officer of Pfizer. And let me tell you, this is a well-crafted lawsuit by uh, a company called Envisage Law. It's available online. If you don't follow Alex Berenson, you should. But if you don't, you can go to the Envisage, E-N-V-I-S-A-G-E Law, Envisage.Law um, website, and you can find out all about this lawsuit, which I think is going to be you know, uh, very carefully watched and very, very, very um precedent setting because if Alex can establish that they interfered with his livelihood, there's plenty of us who could establish that. I mean, I'm not interested. I'm at the uh, you know tail end of a career in public broadcasting, and not public, but in private broadcasting. And so I'm not looking to uh, get involved in any costly lawsuits. And by the way, if you want to contribute to his defense, you can either do it through Alex Berenson or you can go right to Envisage Law. He could put up the address and he could send your checks right to them. If you don't, you know, if you have questions about how he's going to use the money, don't even take the chance, send it to Envisage Law because this is going to be a costly lawsuit and somebody has to do it. One human being has to step forward and say, I'm not going to take it anymore. Just like in the movie Network when he threw open the window and said, I'm not going to take it anymore. And that's how Alex Berenson fails. So don't remember, don't remember, don't forget. Okay, it's going to be one of those days. It's Wednesday. Um, don't forget to download our 850 WFTL app. That way you can 
get involved in all our contests. You can get all the breaking news stories. You can get podcasts, all the good stuff. Or visit our website, 850wftl.com, and you can register for the ACS ACS Fork Cancer event. You can get tickets, pair of tickets, or the uh, Bites and Spirits. You can get tickets for that as well. Um, these are events with purposes, and the food is astronomical. So do that, and stick around. I'll be right back after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'll tell you. I'm looking at some of these news stories that get no coverage, you know, except maybe on this program, maybe occasionally you'll hear them on Dan Bongino or, or Ben Shapiro, but like these big national guys, they're just obsessed with a handful of stories and they just pound them until you've heard everything possible about those stories, until you've been uh, assaulted by everybody else's opinion and never given an opportunity to come up with your own conclusion but they're stories that they just ignore. And the timing of some of these stories is so grievous to me. I mean, this, was a, this last week was an opportunity for Jews all over the world to mark the Passover, which is you know their way of remembering and celebrating the exodus from Egypt. You know, they, they sit at the Seder tables. We had a Seder, you know, um, a messianic seder, actually, where you sit around, you read from a book that's called the Haggadah, which is a, a, a bunch of texts that tell the story of the Exodus. We say certain things, and it's it's a it's actually the art of handing down from one generation to the next stories that need to be remembered. You know um, that people want to destroy the Jews, but that in each generation. God saves us, or saves the Jewish people, saves his people from their hands. Now, there was a family in uh, Ephrat, Israel, which is the so-called West Bank, and really it's the heart of biblical Israel. Having been there last year, um, I can tell you that when you're standing along the West Bank, you know you're in holy, you're standing on holy ground. And there was a family that originally I think they were from England, but now they live in Ephrat, Israel. And they probably had a Passover Seder just like everybody else. And they all uh, talked about the attempts by the Egyptians and other groups uh, historically, right, straight up until right now attempting to destroy the Jewish people. 
and they went on a drive through the Jordan Valley. They were on their way to Tiberias, which is literally where Joshua would have crossed the Jordan River and brought the Jews across. They were attacked and shot to death by a Palestinian Arab terrorist who riddled their car with 20 bullets, the car containing 15-year-old Rina D., um, 20-year-old Maya D., and their mother, Lucy, who survived, I think, for 24 hours and then succumbed to her injuries. Literally, Hamas, which is the governing Palestinian party in the Gaza Strip, and obviously the most powerful force in Palestinian Arab areas of Judea and Samaria, celebrated the murders. They, they put out a statement, we congratulate the Jordan Valley operation and warn the occupation against continuing its aggression against our Palestinian people and the blessed Al-Aqsa Mosque. Meanwhile, the husband and father, Rabbi Leo D., was delivering a eulogy for his family while they're applauding and congratulating themselves on killing innocent people. The father of the family, the husband, is delivering a eulogy on half of his family. He was in a car in front of them with the other half of his family. And in part of his eulogy, he said, let the Israeli flag today send out a message to humanity, which is, we will never accept terror as legitimate. We will never blame the murder on the victims. There is no such thing as moral equivalence between terrorist and victim. Now, of course, the media doesn't know that. So they've been playing the moral equivalence game. They literally are treating the murder of two sisters and their mother as uh, you know another round in the cycle of violence between Israelis and Palestinian Arabs. Of course, in that cycle of violence, the terrorists target innocent civilians, and then they hand out candies when they achieve their evil goals, while the IDF roots out and destroys terrorists. But to the media, it's all the same, right? Daughters of British rabbi die in West Bank drive-by shooting, leaving no explanation for who did it. The two British sisters killed and mother injured in West Bank shooting before she succumbed, tut-tutted the Guardian, two killed in West Bank after Israel strikes Lebanon, Gaza, as though the IDF strike against places where missiles were coming from is equivalent to terrorists standing up, walking up to a vehicle with young women in it and shooting them to death. Shooting over 50 bullets into their car. And you're not hearing anything from this administration, this Biden-Harris administration. You know, the terrorism in Israel is metastasizing. And so what does the Biden administration do? And they, they're urging Israel to de-escalate as though any state could ignore its duty to defend its own citizens from these kind of now routine acts of terrorism. Instead, the Biden administration summoned Michael Herzog, his, uh, US the, Israel's U.S. ambassador, to the White House to tell him, you have to refrain from any actions or rhetoric that will inflame tensions leading into the Ramadan, Passover, and Easter holidays. That, that is the most vile moral equivalence ever. And what it does is it motivates terrorists to murder civilians and step up their violence. There's no downside for them, right? The media treats, uh, you know, uh, self-defense as terrorism and terrorism as legitimate. 
So terrorists thrive. And they're thriving. They're raising the specter of violence all across Israel. 18 civilians have been slaughtered by terrorists in Israel since the beginning of the year. Actually, since the end of January, January 27th. Terror increases. And guess what? You're going to have larger scale intervention as well. And then the same media and the same left-wing governments around the world will say, oh, the cycle of violence, it's fostering more terrorism. This is the same old story in every generation. There are those who seek to destroy the Jews, but somehow, through the grace of God, they always fail. But that doesn't relieve anybody like me or you who has some measure of decency it doesn't relieve us of the obligation, the responsibility to stand up against evil terrorists because otherwise you're complicit. And that kind of complicity costs lives. Ben Shapiro, a beautiful piece he wrote about this. And, and you know, it, it's really, it's beyond my comprehension how the media continues and, and people I know personally and people I'm related to who continue this moral equivalency as though there's something similar about what happened to the Dees family, to half of the Dees family, and the IDF taking out military installations in Gaza. It's not the same. And the fact that the media allows you to hear that story really tells me all I need to know about the left-wing media control in this country. It's, it's vile, and, it's, and it's, it's, hurting. it's hurting people. All right, I got to take a break, but when I come back, I have to tell you two stories. One that'll at least, uh, you know, maybe it won't make you laugh, but it certainly will show that there are still some people who stand up for what's right. And, uh, and I also am going to make my, I hope, final comment. I really don't want to talk about this forever, but about the... Uh, the decisions by companies like Bud Light and Nike to embrace men dressed up as women and to basically boot women out of competitions, boot women out of awards that should go to them and, and give them to uh, men dressed up like women. That's what they are. You may not like me putting it that way, but that's what they are. All right, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, so, well, I, I really, I'm tired of talking about this because it just seems so insane to me that we have to debate how literally there is a movement going on, not just in this country, but all around the world to take back all of the gains that women have made. You know, I came up in a period of time and, and I was laughing last night. I was with a friend of mine who is a teacher by, by uh, profession. She's now retired. But she had the, was able to go to college because of Title IX. I was able to go to college because of Title IX. And I think it's amazing to me 
And, and believe me, mine was the first year that Title IX went into effect. For her, it was already a longstanding kind of program, and it gave scholarship money to women who were good at sports. Not that they went to school to become professional athletes, because for the most part, there was, there was no WNBA. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't uh, planning on becoming a professional basketball player, but because I had some basketball skills, I was able to play on a team and get money to pay for my classes. You know, I went to school in the city, so I didn't have dorm expenses or anything. So, you know, a scholarship meant I could go to college. That's what it meant. And for many young women, that's what it means. They're competing in high schools in areas that, you know, didn't even exist when I was going. I mean, there were a few opportunities for women. You could, if you played softball or if you, and, and I was at the very, um, you know, a beginning of basketball being recognized as a, a, a woman's sport that one day would end up with the WNBA. We just had the WNBA draft. There's some really good basketball players. Back then, you know, it was a fledgling kind of sport for women, but there was track. And, and these women in, in swimming, like Riley Gaines, they had an opportunity to go to college that they might not have had otherwise. They're from middle-class families, and why not? make that available to them through something like Title IX. Well, guess what? You know, all of a sudden, all of these, uh, you know, opportunities that women fought so hard for, and men, you know, uh, are being erased by this transgender movement. In other words, you're not allowed to think that a man with a, a penis who gets dressed up as a woman should in fact be treated as though he were a woman. And, and women, I don't understand this, but women have kept very, very, very quiet about this. You know, they're afraid of being called a transphobe and they're afraid of all these, well, I'm not afraid. And Riley Gaines is not afraid, the swimmer. Because, the, you know, looking at how far we've come from just like, well, should we accept, uh, you know, this woman swimming against a girl, this man, woman swimming against women, women, you know, uh, tomorrow I'm putting up on my, on my daily download, a, a photo, a, a video of a woman who was a man who got accepted into to the Royal Ballet Academy in Great Britain, very prestigious, right? And they, they, they had a video that went out and it became viral, but not for the reasons that I'm sure they wanted because he looks ridiculous doing dance moves that were designed by a woman for women. You know, it just looks, I, I tried not to laugh, but I laughed. It's, it looks funny, you know. He's not a ballerina, he's a ballet dancer, and he should be lifting women over his head, not trying to be a woman and get lifted over some guy's head. You know, and, and it's amazing that women have accepted this. And now you have Bud Light deciding that, oh, well, we'll use the uh, TikTok influencer. By the way, the Biden administration has decided that's gonna be their way of getting young people to vote for them is a bunch of TikTok influencers. Oh, gosh. I know I feel good about that. What the heck is going on? Anyway, this Dylan Mulvaney celebrating 365 days of girlhood, celebrating being real, a real girl. You're not a real girl, honey. You're not. 
you know, l- l- let me tell you something. Um, I'm celebrating a lot more than 365 days of girlhood. I don't even want to tell you how many days of girlhood I'm standing. Uh, I've been, I've been uh, pregnant. I gave birth twice. I have battled endometriosis. I have uh, had a lot of, um, you know, women's problems over the years. And there's not a man on earth who's going to be able to say that. I don't care how they change their, you know, birth certificate or how they imply that they can change their gender. They will not have those experiences. You know, I think it was uh, Lauren Boebert, the the congresswoman from Colorado, who say, today I celebrate 13,262 days of being a woman. I've been pregnant five times miscarried in 2012, gave birth to four incredible boys that came out of my womb. Any day now, one of these boys will make me a grandmother. Womanhood is so much more than just dressing up in makeup and a skirt for internet videos. Touche. You know, touche. And and why are women just bowing down to this crap? Well, apparently not so much anymore. Twitter exploded over the uh, dancer, the ballet dancer claiming to be a ballerina. Twitter exploded over Riley Gaines's getting beat up by a bunch of trans activists because she had the nerve, the nerve, mind you, to say, I really don't think it's fair to make me compete against a man. I don't care what kind of hormones he's pumped into his body. I don't care what he's done with his private parts. He's still a man, and he was a man for many, many years. He's got bigger muscles. He's got bigger lung capacity. All the things that would make him pretty much ineligible to compete in women's swimming. You know, where's my sponsorship? That's what I'd like to know. You know, um, I've been a woman for 70 years. I've been an aunt, a, a sister, a daughter, a mother, a granddaughter. I've endured, I don't even know, I count how many menstrual cycles. You know, so come on, guys. Why don't we celebrate me? You know, I'll, I'll do a sports bra advertisement. Why give it to Dylan Mulvaney with no breasts? By the way, you know, the purpose of a sports bra is to keep a woman's breasts from jiggling up and down and beating you to death when you're going for an exercise run or walk or whatever. You know, and, and the idea that you would give him the Nike commercial and put him in a pair of leggings and and a a sports bra and think, I'm going to buy it? You know, are they marketing it to the other 0.06% of people who consider themselves transgendered? And I would assume that half of those consider themselves women turned to men, not the other way around. You know, can, can a man get ovarian cancer? No, no. So you you can think you're appropriating my gender, but you can't because you're a man. And why women have allowed this? You know, why aren't men standing up against this? Men who were born to lead their families, men who were b- providers, protectors, their testosterone level gives them deeper voices, more muscle strength, more bone strength. And while drugs can reduce that, it can't 
change their gender. And I'm just appalled. I really am. At all of the people who have bowed down to this stupid transgender activist agenda. It's time to push back. You know, we don't push back soon enough in so many instances, and then we're left with all of this garbage, with young people who are confused. They don't know if they're in the right body. Let me tell you something. You may just like people of your same gender. <coughs> you don't have to live in the closet, and you don't have to call yourself the other gender, okay? We have long since figured out that it is not, you know, it is not the same thing as actually being a woman. All right, don't forget, coming up at uh, 1 o'clock is Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro. And tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back with the morning show. Let me take a quick break. I'll be back to finish up the show in just a moment. All right, and, and you know what? People are fed up. I, I talked about that yesterday. We're, we're fed up with just being, you know, told that we have to accept the unacceptable. We're tired of, you know, pretending that things that are odd are not odd. You know, look, I'm not going to sit in judgment on, on much, really, because I think life is a fantastic journey. And some people navigate it with a great deal of, of skill and aplomb, and some people not so much. But I think that people are born with different skill sets and different um, talents and, and, and very different backgrounds. And so I can be an extremely tolerant person, but there's just some stuff that I, I don't tolerate. You know, I'm not going to pretend that, you know, when a so-called transgender person uh, destroys a statue of the Virgin Mary willingly admits vandalizing a Catholic church with all kinds of vulgarities, you know, F Catholics and all this stuff, assaults one of the church workers, then resists arrest, and this was right after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, they, they just did a plea agreement with this creature that uh, look a little, uh, a little strange to me. The Department of Justice is recommending that that Nota served no jail time at all, in spite of the fact that she admits to defacing the church and assaulting a church worker. Now, how, how different is that than the way the Biden administration and, and Merrick Garland's Department of Justice is treating pro-life protesters outside of abortion clinics who are praying, right? You know, they're standing there praying for the babies and they get raided. Their homes get raided. But someone like, uh, you know, uh, Mava Nota is, is let go. You know, uh, no, no prosecution. Um, don't put her in prison. Um, no, no. Meanwhile, they wanted to put, uh, um, what was the, the Mark Huck, the abortion activist, they wanted to put him in prison for 11 years because he was defending his son at a prayer vigil at an abortion clinic. But you can, you can damage a Catholic church. Well, well, we know what they think about Catholics, right? The FBI has informants now in Catholic churches. They have no respect. This administration has no respect for faith. But it's okay, because you know what happens? Is they eat themselves, they eat their own. 
I really do. I'm looking at what's going on now with um, Diane Feinstein in California. Now here's a oh a woman. I don't agree with Diane Feinstein on much. Uh, maybe I'm not on anything, right? But it's quite obvious that she's not in good shape. She's 89 years old, all right? Um, not many people at 89 are in good shape. Now, I do know some. I know some people in their 90s that are still in relatively good shape. Diane Feinstein's not one of them, okay? And she's had a long and what you would call storied career. And she's been in the Senate for quite some time. But the fact that she's still in the Senate is amazing to me. She just got hospitalized last month for shingles. She got infected in, in February. Now I've told you guys a hundred thousand million times, and you know, I'm sorry if you're bored of hearing it, but the one thing that terrorize, terrifies me is shingles. Because when Chuck Zink got shingles, he and I were partners on a radio station, and watching what that man went through made me rush, run to get a shingles vaccine. And I don't like vaccines, as you well know. But I went and got a shingles vaccine because I was terrified. I really was. He was so miserable. It was awful watching what he went through. So if you're 89 years old like Diane Feinstein, I think Chuck might have been in his late 70s at the time and was miserable. So if you're 89 years old and you're supposed to be sitting in the most austere body of government in the world, but definitely here, and you get hospitalized for shingles, it's time to step down, right? You know, she, she was released from the hospital on March 7th. There's nothing they can do, really. And she is supposedly recovering at home and receiving treatment. I don't know what kind of treatment. There's not really treatment for shingles. But uh, she will not seek a sixth term. Well, I hope not. But why didn't she resign? And when they asked her about it, when the reporters asked her about it, she appeared confused. But at that age, confusion is uh, part of the story. So she announced that she won't run for re-election, but she intends to accomplish as much for California as she can through the end of next year when her term ends. That's crazy. Meanwhile, she sits on the Judiciary Committee, and because she hasn't been there in weeks, all of these lower court nominations are stymied between her and John Fetterman, who's the Democrat out of Pennsylvania who was hospitalized for clinical depression. They only have a very narrow margin. So if two people are out, in Fetterman and Feinstein, they're at a stalemate. They can't get anything passed. She said, I can't consider nominees in these circumstances because a tie vote is a losing vote in committee. That's what the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Dick Durbin, said. So here we have, this is government at its worst. It really is. You have nominees who are left on the calendar Nominees that supposedly, if both Fetterman and Feinstein or someone representing those left-wing districts were present, although I'm not sure, if, uh, you know, if Fetterman's district is left-wing, it, it's really not. But because they're not there, they can't do this. So Durbin's going, well, I sure hope we'll be back to full strength after Easter. Well, that deadline came and went, and they're not back to full strength. And let's face it, the Democrats have wanted... Feinstein gone for quite a while now. 
so some young leftist can take her place. And a number of Senate colleagues and former staffers claimed last year, a year ago, that her memory was rapidly deteriorating and that her staff did most of her work, which caused even more Democrats to go crazy and demand her resignation. So, so far we know that Representative Katie Porter, a Democrat from California, and Shifty Shift have both announced that they're going to run for Feinstein's vacant seat in 2024. And let me just reassure the Democrats left in my audience, all four of you, there is absolute certainty that a Democrat will get that seat. We're talking, we're talking about a, a seat in California, okay? So, so stop. Um, let her step down. It's time. It really is. Anyway, uh, and I didn't get to half the news stories that I wanted to cover, but, you know, listen, I'll leave it to my colleagues. Oh, no, I can't leave it to my colleagues. They only talk about, you know, the same seven things. I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. May God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow. Be well. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.